Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. That's right, folks. We are back. It's been way too long since we've had all three of us in studio, but it's Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji back together again for the first time in almost two months, boys. It is nice to be here. Happy to be back with you. Irfan, how are you doing today, my man? Doing good. We haven't done this. Well, I haven't done this with you guys since like June or July, so it's nice to be back. Yeah. It, it's nice to have you back. We lost you there for the thesis. Yeah. And it's done now, so we get you back. <laughs> we steal well, you think, back from the I thesis. Think I, I think I'm done. I still have, like, other things to do with it, but well, I should yes. be done majority but, of it. Yes. The writing portion of it, for the most part, is done. Yeah. You don't have to worry about doing that every day for 10 hours. <laughs> I mean, I still have to tighten up chapters, which is taking full days, but I don't have to write a 216-page thesis anymore. So Correct. that's a win. We'll take that's the a win. win. Right? <laughs> that's, that's a win for sure. And Kyle, how are you doing, man? Uh, well, I didn't have to write a thesis, so I'm good. So I, mean, I can't Valid. complain. Valid. Yeah, I mean, I haven't had to write a thesis, so yeah, it's it's a pretty good spot to be in. Um, boys, since it's been so long, me and Kyle tried to do a show. There were some technical difficulties. We can that. We got a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were going to talk TSC and the Blue Jays because at that point they were both sucking. Well, the Blue Jays turned it around. TFC has only beaten York United. So, there's that. Um, but we got NHL starting up soon. We got the NFL. We're already in week three. We haven't even done our prediction show. So, pff, predictions are out the window. MLB is in playoff pushes, boys. Like, we got a lot to get into. Let's jump right into it with our kickoff segment. Sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you're looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at CanadaKickingAcademy. And boys, let's start right in the NHL and the huge story, obviously, right now, other than the fact that training camps are starting, is this Jack Eichel mess in Buffalo. Can we call it anything else? That's what it is. It is an absolute gong show of a of a situation. Jack Eichel will not be a Buffalo Sabre. Let's make that very clear, right? It's It's kind of a foregone conclusion. He showed up to camp which I thought he would, and it was the right decision in my mind. He failed his physical. He may need to have surgery. The Buffalo Sabres want him to have surgery. I'm really confused about it. Do the Buffalo Sabres, Kyle, want him to have surgery, or is it he wants to have surgery and they won't let him have surgery? So, yeah, it's it's exactly that. He wants to have surgery. Basically, he wants to go with a, a method that hasn't really been tested out on a whole lot of athletes. Right. It's the better option for his, um, well, for his health and his pain and all that kind of stuff. But the Sabers want him to either one go with no sur, well, no surgery, or try and rehab it, right? Or take the safe surgery, which will uh, elongate his career. I guess is what they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
basically what Buffalo is trying to do is basically trying to get him to maximize his value right now. And so they can trade him and get everything they can. And while Eichel's like, Hey, I want to play. Yeah. So um, it's kind of a, like, to me, I don't think a team should have any sort of control over what surgery you get. I get, I get that you're an investment, but if it's a, if it's a surgery on your back, especially it's like, no, I'm going to go with the best option. Yeah, no, I get that. But like, it's just been a mess. Irfan, uh, you want to jump in and add anything to that or? Um, yeah. So the two things are, I think uh, Eichel wants a disc replacement in his back and the Sabres are saying we'll allow a fusion. So either way, he's just going to be uh, difficult for him to move around anyways. So I think it just depends on how he's going to rehab and if whatever theory works. I, I mean, doesn't every team look at the best possible route to help out a player following an injury or some sort of issue like you'd think like logically yes you would think that but then so like that's the thing though why are there two separate assessments happening why aren't they collaborating with the the doctors that made the the second opinion of a disc replacement versus this fusion for example but i mean again the Sabres are a joke of an organization, which we've seen over the last couple of years where they just make these head scratching moves. And now they mm-hmm. took uh, the captaincy away from Eichel because he's just not, you know, well, I actually, well, don't, I get that part, but yeah, I'm just I saying really like, mind that, like, especially cause he's not playing. Well, like, he's you're not going to play. Adding shit. Agreed. But you're, you're adding crap. Like you're adding issues to the point where now everyone's like, okay, so you are going to trade him. You don't hold the cards anymore. So like, they might not get the full return that they want for Eichel. Right. And you know what? That's what I was arguing with Ryan when we brought this up uh, on uh, 20 Minutes on Ice, is that he was saying that Eichel shouldn't show up to camp, should sit out like the NFL players. And I'm like, okay, but his his work ethic has been called into question before, right? Like Eichel's himself. Why would you not show up to camp and at least attempt to play if you can to show people that, yes, this is an awful situation that I'm in. I have no interest in being here, but I'm going to do everything I can to be on the ice because I truly love this game. Like, that's what I thought he was going to do. Now, he shows up to camp, fails his physical. That's a whole other issue. But at least he showed up. He did everything he was supposed to do, right? So you can't really question his ethic on that because he wants to be playing. He wants to be on that ice. We all know that. That's something that he has made very clear this offseason by showing up to camp, by everything he's said in the media. It's the Buffalo Sabres who are kind of dropping the ball on this one, in my opinion, when it comes to his value in the market. You're kind of screwing yourself out of a high-value trade by doing all this crap behind the scenes and before the season starts. Am I wrong, Kyle? Like, it just seems like that to me. Well, no, and to be honest, they they screwed themselves from the beginning because they should have traded him in the offseason because then the team he goes to, if he does need whatever surgery he needs to, he can rehab in that city with those doctors or whatever it may be, rather than now we're in training camp and all of a sudden if he has this injury, he's probably missing half, if not almost a whole year, probably yeah. with this back injury. So it's one of those, for the team that's getting Eichel, they're now losing a year of that contract mm-hmm. yeah. and a year off year of his career. So it's like at a certain point, it's like, 
well, no, that you wanted that extra extra pick, you wanted that extra prospect. We're not giving it to you. It's, sorry, it's just not happening. Well, that's and why general managers now are saying that the, here's some contingency ifs. If he plays a full season, we'll give you this pick. If this happens, if this yep. happens, there's a lot of ifs into the thing, and I don't think the Sabres want that for one of the best players in the game. Like, we're also, I mean, he's a very good player. It's just... No. I was going to say, we're also talking about one of the youngest GMs and more, most inexperienced GMs. I won't say youngest, but one of the most inexperienced GMs in Kevin Adams. This guy was basically plucked from the Sabres organization because they didn't want to hire anyone from the outside and pay them big dollars. And now he's getting thrown into probably the worst situation you could ever ask for. <laughs> Being, A, the Buffalo Sabres, and having now to probably trade your captain and your... I mean, it's not even close. Your best player. Like, that's an awful situation to be put into as a young GM. I mean, first off, I'll give him a ton of credit. The fact that he got a first and a third for Rustalainen is a goddamn miracle. So, I mean, that, that's, hats off to him on that. It is, it is a very difficult situation he's in, and I, I totally agree with Irfan when it comes to – I honestly think there's going to be very limited prospects in this trade once he does get traded – I think it'll be one marquee guy. And then I think, honestly, it's going to be all conditional picks. Mm-hmm. I think it's, be, it's going to be like three or four conditional firsts or seconds or whatever. And it's conditioned on, you know, in the duration of his contract or in the next three years or whatever it may be, he plays 50% of games, 75% of games, whatever. You know, if he plays 50%, it's a second. If he plays 75, it's a, it's a first. It's like that kind of stuff is going to be all contingent on this injury because, you know, there, people aren't just going to go take Eichel. Oh, yeah, it's Eichel. We'll take him. Here, here's what, whatever you want. We'll give it to you. Yeah. No, it's like a back injury. That's pretty severe. It's it's uh, back injuries have kind of derailed a lot of players' careers in the history of the NHL that have had superstar potential, but all of a sudden their back gives out, and you know they play six, seven seasons, and they go down as one of those what if players, right? It's like yeah. they, Eric who knows Ventress. what they could have done. Yeah. Exactly. So let's let's look forward here, and Irfan, I'm going to start with you on this one. Um, but we know he's getting moved. That's it, kind of a given at this point. He's not going to play for the Buffalo Sabres again. But where does he end up? Especially with the injury concerns, where do you think he's going to end up here? Well, it's a team with cap space because unless the GMs that are against Kevin Adams here says, well, you know, if he's going to play a full season – will play his full salary, but if he doesn't, you have to pay at least 50% of it. So there's a lot of of those things going up, but um, I can see him going to the West Coast to any of the California teams. Like um, I think the Ducks need a Ryan Getzlaff replacement in a few years, and if Jack Eichel is healthy and willing to play, I could see that being a thing. I can also see him going to the Sharks and trying to maybe the Sharks trying to move away from the Invander Kane contract and uh, move away from a lot of their – their heavy paid defenseman, for example, which could could also be beneficial for the Sabres or the, the Sharks for rebuild there. But, I mean, I see in West Coast, any other team in the East that could take them, I doubt Buffalo is going to send one of their best players yeah. uh, to the East unless that package involves like a young forward or some sort of picks for days sort of thing. And, I mean, I think one of the California teams might be best suited. Yeah, and I mean, the one question, the one concern that I have for Buffalo is that they're barely above the cap floor right now. <laughs> they trade $10 million. <laughs> You're yeah, going to have to bring right. a lot of money back the other way. 
Well, I mean, yeah. the Cali teams have some players that they could probably offload. Right. You're going to have to bring money. the Kings do the same thing. Yeah. The Kings could do the same thing. If they don't want Dustin Brown anymore, that'd be a contract to take off their books. Yeah, for sure. Like um, yeah. Kyle, where do you think he ends up? Um, I, I honestly, I do like Irfan's points of, of the California teams. I do think out of those ones, I think the LA Kings are the number one destination in California. But to me, I look at their interstate rival um, in the New York Rangers as the, uh, the option there. I think the Rangers are in the best position to be the most competitive team. Um, I think the LA Kings are getting there, but I think the Rangers right now, if they add Eichel and a healthy Eichel, once he actually is healthy, I think that team takes that next step in that division, right? You know, Washington's getting older, Pittsburgh's getting older. There's got to be new, fresh faces into that division, right? We don't know what Carolina is going to be. They're bringing in two brand new goaltenders. So, I mean, we'll see, right? If, if the Rangers can get that, that Eichel superstar power and pair him, you put Panarin and him on a line, good night. And then you can move Zvinijad down to your 2C. I like that. Perfect. No problem. And, you know, it's one of those. The other thing is the Rangers have prospects and players to use. They have picks, right? You know, can they can they flip Kako or Lafreniere and, and make this trade? 100%. I think they could easily do that. I don't think either one of those players right now is a cornerstone piece on that team. I think they're, they're additional players, and I think they're, they're great players, and I think they have great potential. But they're not needed on that Rangers team right now. That's yeah, the I think Kaka would be the obvious one to move in that situation because Lafreniere's only had one season, and honestly, at the end of the year, he actually looked way better than Kako, in my opinion. Oh, hundred percent. I, I think I think it, what as I said before, like I think it really comes down to value, right? Yeah. I think it's going to come down to you know, do the do, does Buffalo value Lafreniere potentially being you know their number one center down the line, right? Do they value that more than Kako, who's more of a winger type who can score? Um, you know, not necessarily line A, but kind of like a line A type of player. Yeah. Um, right. Does, does that center hold more value? And maybe that's less pick for the Rangers to give up. I think that would be the biggest thing um, for me would be, okay, so can we get rid of Lafreniere and bring in a, a center in Eichel? So that way, realistically, Lafreniere would probably drop down to 4C anyways, like maybe yeah. three winger if they want to move him. So uh, I think it's really going to come down to that. But but my my choice would be the Rangers just based on what they have available for trade. I like that. I think that's a good call. Um, another team that could be a sneaky late push to try to do it. What about Seattle, boys? Seattle's in the perfect like price range for their, for their roster right now. And how nice would a top line of Eberle, Eichel, and Schwartz kind of look? Obviously, not this year, depending on how long. The other question quickly before we move on to uh, a couple other things. Eichel wants to play in the Olympics. Do you think that's a realistic timeline for a return, or is that something that he's just uh, hoping for at this point, Kyle? I mean, I, I don't know what the timelines would be for each of the surgeries, whatever one he gets. I, I don't right. know. So um, once I know more about that, I could, I could probably answer that question better. But um, – I mean, if he wants to play and he if he thinks it's a realistic timeline, then I don't see why not. The American team is kind of stacked. So That's what I mean, right? Uh, they may not necessarily want him with the injuries and potentially not being his superstar star, self. Star self quite yet, right? He's still got to get back into game shape and all kind of stuff. Yeah. There's a difference between in shape and game shape. 
two different things. Every, all, all athletes say that. It's like, yeah, I'm in shape, but I'm not game shape. So, um, Trust me, I'm in shape. I am definitely not in game shape right now, boys. I'm going to so find that we'll, out the hard way next week. We'll see uh, We'll see how he bounces back. I mean, if it's a realistic thing, then yeah, I, I don't think he's going to have any problem with it. Irfan, any you want to touch on that Olympic? He's thing just or? giving himself a deadline. To be honest with you, whether he plays or not, is just to give himself a mental deadline that uh, in a year's time I'm going to be back on the ice. Uh, less so, maybe he'll be in contention for the the Olympic team. But like you said, the Americans are stacked. So yeah. I mean, they they don't really need another power forward. They could use another, you know, sorry, power talent. Um, but I think he's just giving himself a deadline to get back onto the ice. Realistically, yeah. could be like a thirteenth forward on the team if he's if he thinks he can play right. Like mm. it's not a bad thirteenth forward. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, saying you have Jack Eichel as your thirteenth forward is kind of a pretty good thing to that's, have. For your that's team. a bit of a flex there, boys. <laughs> um, okay, other NHL stories that we got to talk about: Kaprasov, five years, forty-five million dollar deal. Is that too much for a one year, only one season in the NHL, or fun? A little bit, but I mean, when you look at the team that signed him, I went, ah, okay, I get it a little bit because, I mean, no offense to many, they've been, you know, cusp of playoffs in the playoff first round sort of thing, but they never really gotten further into the playoffs. So, I mean, they're going to have to, they're going to have to pay guys to, to stick around and they have money from the Parisi and Sutter not being there anymore sort of thing, or there's no Miko Koivu anymore anyway, so maybe they're just trying to build for the future, so Nine million seems a little excessive for a guy who's played in the league for one year and also was having some contract issues with Bill Guerin and and Co. So uh, clearly, he wanted out. nine million. <laughs> he wanted nine million, which I get, but like you know, when a player goes, "I'm going to go to the KHL," but okay, go, you know. <laughs> but if you think that's the better league, you can go. But I mean, nine million for a guy who's played for one year, I'm a little confused by that. But I mean, hey, the talent's there. We saw it last year. Um, and the wild they need a, a goal scorer and a consistent player. So let's hope he's consistent for five years. Yeah. Just to, just to put this in perspective before I throw to you, Kyle, here's a list of players that Kaprasov will make more money than. Are, are you ready for this boys? Alex Petrangelo, Sidney Crosby, Leon Dreisaitl, Steven Stamkos. I mean, it's not as big of a deal now, but Claude Giroux, Jacob Voracek. Like, this guy's oh, making Steve more Pastor than all of these there. guys. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, other, like, the, other, the other ones I agree with. Stamkos, he's probably worth more than Stamkos right now, purely because Stamkos is not even close to the player he was. Okay. What uh, about Sebastian Ajo, Carolina? I forgot to add him. Uh, that one, I think, is probably the one the most terrible, I would yeah. say. Um, you know, the Giroux and Voracek are terrible deals right now. Yes, but uh, when they were signed, I mean, like I was thinking more for sure. those when they were signed. Crosby's the same thing. Like, yeah, like like Crosby. Crosby at the time, people were like, "Holy crap, that's a lot of money." And now you look at you look at Crosby's deal now, and you're like, "That's nothing." He's making the thirtieth thirtieth highest salary this year. Yeah, it's like it's like what we keep saying with McKinnon, right? Like McKinnon's contract is the greatest steal in the NHL right now. Yes, it is. But. But it's one of those like <laughs> it's gonna his, screw his next contract. Don't worry, they'll make up for it on his next contract. Trust me, I know they'll make up for that next contract. Um, but it's one of those. I, I I think I do agree. I think it's a little much. But I think also if we look back at this contract in two years, I think we're like that could be a steal, right? 
Right. He, he could he could very well be the ten ten and a half million dollar player in one or two years time. I think That's I think Irfan nailed it when it comes to they have cap space, they believe in his potential, right? And plus, they don't have anybody else to carry that like the flag for that team. That's the biggest thing. He's he's their franchise guy. He's yeah. their big guy. He's their if they were to lose him. Minnesota would, would be in just utter turmoil. They'd be done. Yeah. Like Minnesota doesn't have a team to compete with everybody else in the league if they don't have caps up on that team. So no offense, they don't have the team to compete with the in the league right now if they weren't in no, the West. For sure. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Like they have they have they have some good pieces, but not nearly what they have. And you add a caps off to that, and it makes them a hell of a lot better. Yeah. So I would say. Now, a little much, a couple years, could be a steal. That's a fair assessment. I agree with you on that. Like, right now, it just looks like a lot for a guy who's only played one season. And I know it was a shortened season, and he did a great job scoring as a rookie and all that. But, like, it just it just seems like a little bit much. Yeah. Um, okay, quickly, boys. Lots of big names. Gone all over the map. Moved all over. Who do you think... And we'll start with you, Kyle. Who do you think has the biggest impact on their new team? Um, I'm going to go with one that wasn't actually a signing or anything like that. But yeah, it doesn't have to Mark be a Andre. signing. It doesn't have to be a signing. I just said lots of people have moved. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury. I think he's going to have the biggest impact on that Chicago Blackhawks team. Um, I think Chicago was honestly they've needed a goaltender for a couple of years. You know, when you're running Malcolm Subban out there as your starting goaltender. Sorry, and Lankinen. Don't forget Lankinen. He 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 had a pretty good year last year too. <laughs> he did. I'm not. Don't you can't say that I'm wrong. He actually had a good season as a rookie. That's fine. Not going to get it done. I didn't say he was going to get it done. I just said he had a good season. Oh. That's all. It's literally all I said. <laughs> so, so to me, I think Mark. I think Mark Andre Fleury is going to have the biggest impact purely because. He brings that championship pedigree. He brings that veteran leadership. And, you know, other they brought in another player too, which I won't say because maybe it's somebody else's pick just in case. But, I mean. Just say it. Yeah, just okay. say it at this point. <laughs> they, like they brought in Seth Jones, who I think is also going to have a huge impact on that team. Um, I think I think Fleury will have the bigger impact purely because he's more of an impact position compared to defense, I think. Um, and, I, I would just say, like, Flurry can change a game. You know, yeah. if, Seth Jones, if Seth Jones changes a game, they can still lose one nothing. That's fair. But okay, I get what you mean. If Flurry changes a game, they win one nothing. Like, it's one of those, like, it, it's a big difference maker. And I think uh, I think he's got a chip on his shoulder because I, I think Vegas screwed him. And I think uh, we're going to see a very good Flurry. And, like, he, he, was the Van, he was the Vesna last year. So, it's like... He's got a chip on his shoulder, and he won the Vesna last year. Look out! <laughs> yep, those were those guys were mine, as well as adding um, uh, Jake McCabe from Buffalo because I think that pair of McCabe and Jones at the top of your six is pretty good. <laughs> Jake McCabe has, was playing on a crappy Buffalo team for way too long, but that guy has talent, and he's going to show up in Chicago, I think. So put him with Seth Jones. Put flurry in behind oh uh, they look good Irfan, do you have a, a different one or are you gonna stick with the chicago train here <laughs> uh i will echo mark andre flurry i think he might be the best 
hiccup for every team. I mean, the fact that he's gone from, you know, Pittsburgh to Vegas to Chicago, I hope he does well because he's just been one of those goaltenders that you've got to root for because he has so much potential. He's so good at what he does. Um, and it's a little crappy that his last situation with Vegas ended up the way it did because uh, Flurry down the stretch is better than Robin Leonard. Um, I'll pick someone off the board here. I'm going to go Christian Dvorak over to the Montreal Canadiens. I thought that was a good little pickup. Um, we essentially got rid of Koki Niemi and whatnot uh, and, and got a guy who's serviceable, who plays a 200-foot game. Um, a lot of a lot of compliments from around the league. You know, he plays in Arizona or did play in Arizona and didn't get a lot of love, but uh, he's going to, he's going to have a good time in Montreal. I think he's going to fit really well in the, in either a second line or even a first line, depending on, on the need of that team. But um, I like that pick. It's a, it's a solid sneaky pick and it, it solidifies Montreal who, by the way, were in the finals last year. So maybe that just helps them out a, a smidge more um, to go from an experienced player um, and they lost the rookie who to me had the upside, just didn't, didn't get there. Yeah, that's fair. I also want to throw in a guy who might not have a, a like the biggest impact on a team. Like we talked about Flurry and Jones and those guys, but uh, a really good pickup for his team. Warren Fogle was traded to uh, Edmonton. I think that is a great piece for Edmonton. Now, is he going to tip the scales like a Marc-Andre Fleury? No, but He's still, I think, a huge piece for that Edmonton team that they've been missing the last few years. Edmonton's right? missing a lot, so yes, this does help. Well, <laughs> yes, but that wasn't my pointer fun. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just tossing that out there. Yeah. Um, cool. All right, boys. Well, NHL's preseason starts tonight, so make sure you tune in to that. Um, that'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you're looking for more information on the Canada Kicking Academy, visit our website at canadakickingacademy.com or follow them on Instagram. Gabe and Daniel are still doing coaching sessions, so make sure you check them out. They will help you take your game to the next level. We're going to just keep rolling along here, boys. No break. We're going to jump right into it with NFL. It's time, boys. It's I mean, it's already started, actually. I can't even say it's time, but we're two weeks in. I guess technically week three has started because uh, Carolina Carolina won this week. Um, <laughs> that was an absolute thriller of a game on Thursday. Yeah, it was a... Um, I would have rather watched the Jays lose 7-2 than watch that game. I did watch both. Yeah, that's... Yeah. It was painful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, <laughs> let's let's focus on some more uh, positive notes, I guess, or I guess any notes at this point. We got two weeks to recap. Or fun. What are your thoughts sure. from the first two weeks of football? Other than it's nice to have football back, because I know you're going to say that. <laughs> no, I was going to say, not going to lie. I still thought we were in preseason for a little bit, but that's just because I've been focused been on other things. Yeah, I'm like, man, <laughs> I was looking at something. I was like, man, the Patriots suck. I hope this is just preseason jitters. And then you realize that, wait, the season started. <laughs> no, no, no. The Patriots might actually suck. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But uh, I will say it's nice to see Aaron Rodgers back in a Packers uniform. Um, whatever that crap in the summer was or earlier than that. I mean, it's just nice to see one of the best qu- quarterbacks in the game return. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sorry, guys. It's sorry, just, let I me just, correct. I want to correct you, though, Irfan. He didn't return until week two. Because I, I don't, I don't know who was playing week one, but it was not Aaron Rodgers. But it's nice to see him back. 
And, yeah, and for I sure. think if you're a Packers fan, you go, oh, that just gives us a massive leg up because oh, yeah. sure. Boy. Uh, but um, what I've seen so far, forgive me for thinking it's preseason, but the AFC East might not be that great this year. Um, and neither is the NFC East, but we knew that from, from last year and the year before that, that division just, can we just disband that division, spread the teams out somewhere else and then just create a just new, split, uh, let's, let's split the AFC and NFC East, remix them half and half and see what happens. Yeah. And then just balance out the rest of them. So there's not like, uh, you know, I'm thinking of the NFC South, for example, with the Panthers, Bucks, and Saints. Like, at least they'll be split out and they have equal chances of getting into the playoffs because I think, you know, they've been a little bit better, much better. But I think I would take Atlanta over any any of the teams in the NFC East right now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kyle, I know you're looking, but, like, it would be a comparable at least. Like, Atlanta could fight in that division. The Cowboys are better than the Saints right now. I don't know what. You okay, guys are. other than the Cowboys, like I say, <laughs> no, I don't sorry, know. Sorry, you're right. What, one team. I apologize. I apologize. You're right. One the, team is the good. Cowboys are going to be okay for like the first seven weeks, and then it's going to go to shit for them as well. The, the Saints are going to have a below 500 record. I don't know about that. They, they, they will not. They will not beat the Panthers. They will not beat the Bucks. It's right. simple as that. I'll give you that. But they so play the NFC East. Yeah, they'll be. Okay, they're so, not beating the Cowboys. I would hi- I would be very interested to see that Washington game because I don't know if they'll actually beat Washington. Um, Giants, the Giants next week. I think they can handle the Giants. You would hope. I That's think tomorrow. they can beat Washington, but you're right. That could be a toss up. They'll lose to Seattle. They'll lose to Tampa. They'll probably beat Atlanta. Tennessee. I'm really not sure what to make of Tennessee this year, so that could be a toss up game too. Depends if Derrick Henry shows up. I mean, I, I Philly. Philly to me is the big question mark in that yeah. division. They're like they have the pieces to be good, not great, right? Exactly. But, like, but it is literally all dependent on Jalen Hurts and if he shows up and does well, and then like that defense if they can do anything, right? Then they play the Bills, so that'll probably be a loss. Then they play the Cowboys. Then they got the Jets, Tampa, Miami. Carolina, Atlanta. I think they might be a 500 team. That's all uh, I'm saying. Um, Anyways, not, maybe. not really the point of this conversation. But <laughs> Irfan, finish your thoughts before I interrupt again. No, that was about it. Sorry, boys. <laughs> There's not much. Yeah, uh, Kyle, your thoughts from two weeks? Um, a lot closer games than we thought and a lot more upsets than we thought, which I think is a good thing. It's terrible for betting, but it's good for the game of football. Um, that AFC North, which we thought was going to be, you know, a one or two team race, especially with all the Ravens injuries. Now all of a sudden that game is, that division is wide open. Yep. Um, you know, you look at the AFC South too, you thought the Titans were going to be a powerhouse. All of a sudden, week one, they just didn't show up. Week two, they were a heck of a lot better against a good Seattle team, too. A very good game. Um, and, I mean, don't look now, but the AFC West, <laughs> the Chargers are in fourth place. <laughs> uh, the Raiders and the Broncos are in first and second. Yeah. I, I expected that division to be really, really competitive this year. I don't know what it was about it, but I expected it to be really, really competitive. I like what the Chargers have done. The Raiders, 
last year on paper were a much better team than they actually were. Mm-hmm. And the Broncos got better. So I thought it was going to be competitive. Did I think the Raiders and the Broncos were going to be 1-2 after two weeks? No. Yeah. But am I surprised that all four teams have are one game away from each other? No. That division, I think, is a very skewed comparatively because the Broncos have played absolutely nobody and just beaten up on no-name teams. So, I mean, um, it's it is what it is, but. Hey, you got to play the schedule that you're given. You don't have you don't have to beat up on everybody. You just have to play the schedule that you're given. Oh, I mean, yeah. If you start three and zero and end up three and fourteen, it's still fine. I mean, you still started three and zero. Like, it is what it is. Yep. But um, no, honestly, the, the the best part of the football season right now is the NFC West. Um, you have three two and zero teams, and you have the Seattle Seahawks at one and one, who realistically could have been two and zero if they if they didn't really choke at the end of that. Uh, and at the end of that game against the, the Titans. So yeah. that, that division I think is going to be great. I do think my personal opinion, I think San Fran will be the weakest out of those. I agree. Purely because, purely because they keep trying to run the ball. And when they run the ball, whoever they give it to ends up off the field three plays later. So um, don't worry. We're all going to get the call up at some point. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I'll, I'll, run a, I'll run a couple of fullback dives. No problem. <laughs> um, I mean, it's one of those. I, I, I think I think their defense is great. I think that they have the pieces there, but they're not using their best weapon, and that's and that's George Kittle. They're not targeting him. He has like seven targets through two games, yep. which, as a top three tight end in the league, is not enough targets. Um, so I, I think I think they're definitely going to be uh, the, the weakest of that. And I think the Cardinals. You, you got a MVP candidate slash favorite right now, I guess, in Kyler Murray who is just carving up defenses right now. So, I mean, they, they snuck, they snuck out the win last week against the Vikings because the Vikings field goal kicker missed a field goal. Forgot. Tell me if that, say, tell me if that sounds familiar and Vikings field goal kicker misses. Oh, um, but dig, I mean, dig the Vikings fans a little deeper there, Kyle. Ouch. <laughs> it is what it is, but I don't mind. And then, <laughs> Go and for then, it. Yeah. So I've, I've talked about the Seahawks, Niners, and, and Cardinals, and then you look at the fourth team in that division, and they are the Super Bowl favorites, contenders, whatever you want to call them, in the LA, LA Rams, who look good, damn good, <laughs> good. That that game uh, on at four o'clock this on Sunday, uh, you know, uh, Rams Bucks. That will be the game to watch. That that will be that will be one of those you know. The Bucks are missing Antonio Brown most likely with COVID, but I mean it's going to be two of the best teams facing off against each other, so it's going to be a very good game to watch. For sure, absolutely, it's going to be so much fun. I, I the one thing I've noticed about this is that we've seen a lot of underrated players take huge steps. That's what I've picked up from the first two, I guess, beginning of three weeks. Like Darnold, who played on a very crappy Jets team, is now three and zero, and he's looked damn good consistent oh, it's, funny. it's funny how like you leave the jets and all of a sudden all that potential that you had before shows up did oh you see God. the? did you see the uh picture about uh when adam gase leaves a team no <laughs> so like the last five teams he's coached he coached like a high school team they went on to win the state championship the year after he left he coached at LSU and the year after they left uh, the year after he left they won a title with Saban way back when he coached um, 
oh, I want to see if I can find it, but it was hilarious. Like there was like five straight things where he he left the team and then they went on to be successful, and it was just like, oh my goodness. And now Darnell is three and zero. I mean, I mean, honestly, it just shows it shows the foundation that uh, it shows the foundation that Gase left on that team. That's really what it is. Yeah, that's you know, all it is. He set up. He set them up. For success. He set them up for the future. Yeah. He, he just, just couldn't coach he was them in it himself. <laughs> he, he started with an egg and made it into a, a, a beautiful bird. Chicken. I, I, it was a chick, <laughs> and then now he left on their chickens, and they're running wild without <laughs> But, no, it's just cool to see those kind of players succeed, right? And, like, I mean, we saw Jameis first week look. This is the one thing that I want to talk about, okay? Everyone freaking overreacted. For Jameis Winston's five touchdown performance in Week One, the guy threw for 160 yards. <laughs> Listen, I could, I think I could throw five touchdowns with that few yards. <laughs> I mean, if if Aaron Rodgers turns over the ball against a Pee Wee football team the way he did against the Saints, I mean, I could probably put up 28 points. Like it's, it's not that hard. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I give Jameis credit because you still have to make the throws, and I don't think Jameis is as bad as a lot of people make him out to be. But he's inconsistent, and I think Stephen A. Smith. I, I very rarely agree with Stephen A. Smith, but he said something really good on first take this week, and he said the week one was a fluke, not because he threw five touchdowns and not because he led the Saints to a victory. It was because he didn't throw an interception. Right? It's not that Jameis is a bad player. He's a good football player. He makes some bad decisions every once in a while, and it costs his team a turnover. But very rarely are you going to see a, a football game where Jameis Winston's the quarterback and there is not an interception by Jameis Winston. He still well, can mean, win games that way. He's the infamous 30-for-30 30 30 club. Yeah, right? but it's, he it's, can still win games that way with this Saints team, especially if they get Michael Thomas back. This team but, could still be very good. And I don't mind if you throw one interception if you're throwing four touchdowns as well. Yeah. yeah. Right? So it's going to be interesting to see where the Saints go. Um Quickly, Irfan, uh, who's which team has surprised you the most so far? Oh, you're muted, dude. I think I said I said considering I still think this is preseason. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> uh, no, I think Kyle was right. It, it, we I was looking at the Rams starting the season to be good, and they've been really good from what I've been trying to find about them. So, um, yeah, let's see the Rams for now. Okay. Ask me next week when I watch the game. And um, all right, we'll, we'll ask it. We'll ask her fun next week. I would probably say the most surprising, but not surprising at the same time. I think is the Carolina Panthers. Um, I had them. Their over under before the season was nine, was seven it? and a half. Was it seven? I thought it was nine. Seven and a half wins. So. I put probably my full bank account on that. Um, that they were going to go over, right? Correct. Yeah, I was going to say. And it's one of those, looking at this team, obviously the McCaffrey injury this week really kind of hurts them for the next they're couple very, of weeks. I think they're very lucky that they drafted Chuba Hubbard, though, and they have Royce Freeman because they can kind of – I'm not going to say that they can become a McCaffrey, but yeah. with those two who are both versatile players, you can kind of not go out of your game plan and still kind of use the same sort of playbook and everything. Correct. So I, I, I think, I think, you know, both of them combined can't lace McCaffrey's shoes. No, but I, I agree with that a hundred percent. But in, in saying that, 
they definitely aren't completely wastes of life, I guess yeah. is what you could say. Um, but to me, they, they are the biggest surprise. And I think they're honestly a legitimate playoff team right now because that defense is truly elite. Yes. I, I do think they're arguably top five in the league most likely. And I think even then that's kind of low to me. I think they could be top three in the league based on what they have. I think as long as, you know, the biggest injury to me, you know, yes, McCaffrey's out for a couple weeks, but I think the biggest injury is J.C. Horn breaking his foot because J.C. Horn looked unbeatable. Great. He looked great. So, um, Very I rarely that, do you see a rookie cornerback come in and be like that. Well, up until – I think up until last week, he had a 4.0 passer rating on um, balls thrown his way. Yeah. So – which is un- unbelievable. <laughs> There's only one person better in the league, and it was uh, – who was it? guy in the Giants who has a zero passing rating against him. So, um, which is which is unbelievable. So, to me, I think Carolina Panthers definitely are the most surprising team, but in a good way. Fair enough. I like that one, too. Um, I know it's kind of a, a, a fail-safe, but can we also add the Baltimore Ravens into this conversation? This team has mm-hmm. how many injuries at this point in time? And yet they're 1-1 one and, one and tied for first in the division? Like, that's incredible if you ask me. And the way they went and beat the Chiefs, I know it was a close game, but they went and beat the reigning AFC champions. And two years ago, they won the Super Bowl. And they don't have a running back. Yeah, they do. He just throws the ball, too. I'm going to come over there and hit you. Listen, Lamar Jackson is not a running back. He's a very talented quarterback who happens yeah, to be able to good, run the ball. Yeah, that's that's. I agree with you, Kyle. You agree with did Kyle you, or me? Did you, did you see, did you a, see some of the throws Lamar Jackson made? Did you see they some of the throws? They have no offensive line right now. They had Hollywood Brown wide open on a, a go route, and he overthrew him by 30 yards. I didn't see that play. I will admit I did not see that yeah. play. So I cannot, I cannot comment on that. First half, Hollywood Brown wide open, no no defenders near, gone. Th- like this ball thrown thirty yards past him. All right, it's like it's one of those. That's fine. Like he, he don't get me wrong, he's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. He's a great dual threat. Quarterback. And yes. when I say dual threat, it's almost one dimensional at a certain point. And In that's more games, for sure. Yeah. More running than passing, <laughs> which is saying something. But I will give him credit. He's he's good at what he does, and even though every team knows what he's going to do, they still can't stop him. There you go. So there, there's that. But in saying that, that Baltimore defense is terrible. Right. And hence the reason that I'm so surprised that they are still tied first in the division after two weeks because yeah. I thought they were going to be 0-2 going into that Chiefs game. Um, uh, a couple other quick surprise teams. The Patriots thought they were going to be a little bit better. Haven't really, haven't really figured it out yet with the young quarterback. We'll see how we'll see how week three goes. Uh, Broncos, we already talked about kind of being a surprise team, uh, being yeah. at two and zero. Yep. Um, before we wrap the, well, no, never mind. We got we got a couple more things, but seven teams zero and two. Who has the best chance to turn it around and make a playoff push, Kyle? 
New York Jets. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that division, maybe. But <laughs> yeah. um, God, I'm trying. I'm looking at them right now. Out of all, do you want me to read them out for you? Give you a second to think. I was going to say, out of all the teams that are 0-2, I have to say the Indianapolis Colts. I have to say the Indianapolis Colts. It's just they're the only good team out of the 0-2 teams. <laughs> it's 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 not really close. I mean, like to me, Indianapolis obviously went somehow spraining both ankles. How in the hell do you sprain both ankles? That's a really bad cut. That's what that sounds like to me. <laughs> Like it's like it's like you like yeah what you break your own ankles on a, a juke move oh down he goes like, it's like I, I don't know I mean I mean they're the best team I think has a chance of coming back from that zero and two purely because that division is so bad and we don't know what the Titans truly are until they really discover themselves last week we saw a glimpse of what they can be yeah we need some consistency so I think out of those teams that that they have the best chance of bouncing back okay I like it. Uh, Irfan? Yeah, probably the same, just because of the, the, the placement of the divisions. I think Colts have a realistic opportunity to to come out of the, the hole. Um, I mean, I was looking at the Lions because I was thinking of Connor, our buddy on the show, but then I was like, nah, they're never going to be that Jared good. Jared Goff so. is, is lost in Detroit right now. No, and I agree with you. I'm just, I was just like, oh, it'd be nice to, to get him a win, you know? But no. It's, <laughs> get him it, a it's, win. <laughs> Get them a win. They will. They'll get out of the hole. No, but I think Kyle's right with whatever you said. I think the Colts, realistically, in that AFC South, might have the best opportunity. Maybe okay. You know what? Maybe the Giants, if you know that division starts to be crappy, crappy, crap, crap, crap. Um, but I think the Colts, out of everyone, might have the the best chance. See, I was going to throw the Giants in as the underdog sleeper 0-2 team that might make a playoff push because that division is so bad, and if Dallas can't seem to win games against within the division because that's what Dallas does, they can beat teams outside of the division, no problem, but within the division, they usually struggle. If the Giants can pick up wins against everybody in that division and win that division by chance, they might make the playoffs. Which is, a, which is a pretty good possibility considering, you know, Kyle said on the top of the show, you don't know what you're getting from the Eagles or, or the Washington football team. And then the Cowboys, like you said, are good, but are they good within their division, which is yeah. absolute crap. The other team that I was looking at, and like, just let me explain why on this one first before you jump on me, Kyle. What about the Vikings? I know I don't trust Kirk Cousins as far as I can throw him, and I can't throw him very far, but... That team has Dalvin Cook. They have pieces around him. They also have the best net net point uh, total out of any of the 0-2 teams. And they have to play the Lions and the Bears four times. So that's four. That's realistically four wins. They always play close games against the Packers. So you pick up a one win against the Packers. There's five wins right there. I can't remember who they're... Let's, let me look at the rest of their schedule before I say this, but like... They have a very tough schedule. They have that's a the tough re- schedule, right? That's the only reason why, and I, there's no way I would jump on on you like this because they were my second team. Okay. Um, for being Owen, uh, the Owen two teams. Oh yeah, they play. Um, ooh, they play. The they have a very, very, very tough, <laughs> tough division, uh, tough schedule. Sorry. I mean, we were just talking about the Panthers being, you know, a good team. They play them in week six. They play Ravens, Chargers, Packers, Niners four weeks in a row. Well, listen to so, listen to the next few weeks. They got Seahawks yeah. this week, Browns. Then they got the Lions, Panthers, K- 
Cowboys, Ravens, Chargers, Pack, 49ers, Lions again, Steelers, Bears, Rams, Packers, Bears. Yeah. So that that's the only reason why I didn't choose them was because they're going to have to upset some very good teams in order to get into the playoffs, let alone, you know, if there's potentially any chance of the division, right? Because they're not really out of the division. The, the division leader right now is one win. So it's not as if it, it's, it's two and all. And all and it's Go a, Pack. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say, are we putting the Packers ahead or are we putting the Bears ahead? Which one are we doing? Well, technically, um, you said the team in first has one win. Technically, that is the Packers. I'm not wrong. <laughs> I mean, they, oh, Packers, geez, I didn't Packers they, have more points for, so they put them ahead, even yeah, though they four, both have minus 17. I was going to say, they're both minus 17. I didn't realize they were both exactly the same, basically. Yeah, but because, uh, because the Packers have more points for, they get the higher spot. For 38 points. But <laughs> four points. Woo! I mean, I mean, didn't, didn't didn't the Chiefs and Ravens basically score that by themselves in week one week? Yep. Um, yeah, but anyways, um, yeah, no, and that that's I think that was the bit the toughest thing for them was just <laughs> they got a hell of a schedule. That's true. Like they got, Fair enough. They, they they really needed a win in the one first first two weeks. Yeah. Um. Quickly, who's winning it all? Irfan, who who you got? Who who's your NFC? Who's your AFC? Who's winning it all? Because we didn't really do a prediction show, so we kind of have to make AFC's, up for it now. The AFC is going to come down to the Bills and the Chiefs. Uh, well, like last year, uh, I think the Bills might squeeze into the to the, the Super Bowl this year. I'm fingers crossed because I think they need that. Um, and then the NFC, I'm going to say Bucks again because I think you know, I guess player for player, they might have the deep. They have a good squad brady's been good the first two weeks but um these are the early season so we'll see how the weeks progress kyle um just because i don't want to see the same four teams in the nfc and afc championship every single time um <laughs> don't get me wrong it, don't get me wrong it was great when the patriots are doing <laughs> we'll not complain about that but um, yeah, yeah shut up uh, I'm honestly, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say Titans, Chargers in the AFC AFC final. Um, wow, really out on the limb there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think the Titans are going to have the run game in the in, in the playoffs, and I don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to stop it. Um, personally, that's just me. And I think I think Justin Herbert is going to bounce back from a, a terrible week last week and uh, lift the Chargers to where they are. NFC, I'm going. Bucks and Rams in the final, and I'm going Rams to the Super Bowl uh, against the. I'm going to go Tennessee Titans against the Rams, and I'm going to go Rams win it all. Man, a little throwback to what was it, 2001, when those two teams played in the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, yep, it's 2001, right? Little, little throwback. 20 years later, let's make it happen. <laughs> well, 21. 20 year reunion. How are you? Um. I got Browns Chiefs in the AFC. I like what the Browns have going on right now. I, I know they're tied for first in that AFC North, and that AFC North is just going to beat the crap out of each other. But if they can get everything going, especially on offense, if you get Odell Beckham and you get the the running back duo that is um, in the backfield there, like you're looking pretty good. I'm, I'm going to put Browns in the Super Bowl just because I'm tired of the Chiefs being there. And I got Rams – Bucks as well, but I got the Rams going, and I got the Rams winning this thing. I think Matt Stafford has looked 
ridiculously good in that scheme. And their defense led by Aaron Donald is just, it's just too good, in my opinion, right now. I mean, things can change. This season is, it's a long season. It's an extra week this year, too. So lots can happen, but I think they are the best team right now. We're going to take a quick break here, boys. Uh, when we come back, talk some MLB, and we will uh, give you our predictions for the playoffs. And hey, talk about who's going to win some awards. Uh, until then, uh, we will be back for the break. Good day, everybody. This is Ryan from 20 Minutes on Ice. Join me and my co-host, Nick McVicker, for opinions and analysis on the week that was in the hockey world. New episodes available every Tuesday, wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. 20 Minutes on Ice, part of the Garage Door Sports Network. We're back. Short break. Gotta love it. Lots to talk about, so we can't really just be like, you know, on break for a minute and a half. Uh, boys, MLB season is coming to an end, which means we got to talk, well, a lot, but let's start off. Which team surprised you either way, good, bad, whatever this year. And, uh, Irfan, let's start with you. Uh, Sorry, we on break cap. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I would say the Giants, I didn't see them being a, a top competitor in the NL West, like, you know, Dodgers and the Padres were supposed to go one and two and kind of like beat the crap out of each other. But the Giants have surprised. They've done a good job. They've hit 100 wins. First team to do that this season. Um, I've been very impressed with them. Very impressed. Now, does that translate into the playoffs where they haven't been there for quite some time? I don't know. But uh, I love that we say quite some time they haven't been to the playoffs. It was what, like five years ago? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, a lot changes. Like the teams have gotten better. I mean, no, I know, but like, think, let's, let's think about the MLB where teams can go like 20, 25 years without making the playoffs. And we're talking the Giants haven't been there in five years and it seems like a long time. <laughs> well, but they're, they're a team built for the playoffs. Right? That's what they want to be, right? They're not the Mariners that struggle to make it every year. I know. I'm just, it's just funny. Like, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, it seems crazy to think that. Oh yeah, these guys yeah. haven't been there for a long time for them, and it's only been five years. Yeah, and I mean, it, it probably adds to the fact that they they were pretty pretty bad. Like they were what twenty games, thirty games under five hundred at one point. They're they're just they didn't look good, and like to to see this complete turnaround, um, it's nice. It's different. Yeah. No, you're right. I, I I agree with that. Um, Kyle, who was your big surprise team, good or bad? Well, you go you go first because I have two, and if you say one, I'll only say the other one. So. Okay, um, I'm going to go with Minnesota as a negative because this team I thought was going to be a lot better than they turned out to be. Like They are third last in the AL, and the only teams worse than them are Baltimore, who we knew was going to be the worst team in the American League. Like It wasn't even a competition at this point. Yep. And Texas, who I would like to say underachieved, but we also said that that division was going to be tough to begin with, so... They might, they might have finished where they probably were going to finish just with a few less wins. But Minnesota just can't score runs. <laughs> For a team that had Nelson Cruz, Josh Donaldson, and all these guys at the beginning of the year, they couldn't do anything. And yeah, Jose Barrios has had a good season, and now he's with the Jays. Can you name another starter on that team that had a good season? I don't know if I can name another starter on that team other than Pineda. <laughs> 
that's my point though. Like that's it's not good enough for a team that we did think might have some success, right? Like I thought they were gonna be okay. J.A. Happ, Michael Pineda, Kenta Maeda. They've been fine, but their highest win total from a starter is eight. Yeah. It's not okay. No. So I was disappointed with the Twins. I thought they were going to be a lot better than they were. Other than that, I think everything else kind of fell the way I thought it was going to. So, yeah, Kyle, who's your – did I get – did I guess one right? No, not close. Um, so my, my uh, disappointing team of the year is the San Diego Padres. Um, currently 78 and 76. And not going to make the playoffs as of right now. They are uh, seven games back of the wild card. So, I mean, to me, they're the biggest disappointment based on what that makeup of that team is, the amount of prospects and stuff they have traded to upgrade that uh, the bullpen and the starting rotation. Yes, they've been hit with some injuries on the on the starting rotation part. That's fine. But in saying that, they still have a better team than two games above 500. Uh, I mean – and to me, I think they've been a big disappointment because they were, like, I think pretty sure when we started, they were all one of my World Series contenders, if not favorites. Um, yeah, I think you and me had Dodgers, uh, Padres playing for the NL uh, pennant. Yeah, so it was one of those, like, the fact that they are not even going to make the playoffs now is a huge disappointment for that San Diego team because – even if they get the pieces, they can't win. It's it's just it's disappointing, and and it is what it is. But my surprising team, in a positive aspect, is the Seattle Mariners. They are 16 games above 500. They're contending for that wild card spot. They're technically tied with the Jays right now, two games back of the wild card spot, which I don't know if is more embarrassing for the Jays or impressive for the Mariners. I'm not well, really I sure which one. I, it can't really be embarrassing for the Jays because they're 16 games above 500, Kyle. Yeah, no, I understand. They're that. on track for the number of wins that you and me both thought they were going to get. Yes, I, I, I get that. But when you're losing in critical games, you're losing two games to the Minnesota Twins, who you just said are one of the worst teams in baseball. <laughs> Valid point. <laughs> doesn't add up. There. But I'm saying you can't really um, say that it's bad for the Jays because they're still 16 games above 500 when you're comparing them to Seattle. That's what I mean. Sure. Yes, they're not yeah, playing well. Like you, you look at Seattle's team and. Not a whole lot of big names there. There's not a whole lot of, of, of big things. Their biggest offseason addition was James Paxton, and he's on the 60-day DL after getting arm surgery. Like, it's like – so the, the fact that they have strung together this, I dare I say, hodgepodge team, and, and they're, they're really winning. accurate. <laughs> like, and they're winning is, is very impressive. And the fact that they're second, which I thought Oakland was going to be a great contender in, in the MLB playoffs, and now all of a sudden Oakland's out. Oakland's not going to make it. Sorry, they're done. And it's it's Seattle's got a chance. So, I mean, Seattle technically, in a weird way, still has a chance at the division. Houston has to fall off a cliff, but Seattle still has a chance at that division. So, I mean, they've been a, a huge success and, and a very good surprise in a positive way. Yeah, no, you're right. And, I mean, Oakland's still fighting for a playoff spot, so they have to they're, – they're playing Houston. And mm-hmm. if Oakland can – win a couple games there. Seattle wins their games against the Los Angeles Angels. Hey, <laughs> this this division race gets a little bit more entertaining. Um, no, I think you're right there, Kyle. I think you, you nailed that one on the head. Uh, I, I don't know why I didn't think of that before, but 
It's a good call. Um, let's get to some award predictions because obviously the season's kind of wrapping up and we'll just stick with the big ones. Um, do you want to start MVP or Cy Young there, Kyle? Um, we can start MVP. I okay, think let's start MVP. Up. Let's start in the uh, NL. And mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it's Tatis Jr. I think what he's done for San Diego, even though they're a bad team, is great because when he was out, they were awful. They were even worse than they are now. Yep. Um, either him or Bryce Harper are the t- are the two front runners, right? Like they have to be Irfan. Yeah, I was I was actually gonna say Bryce Harper, um, just because he's been there a little bit more this season. I mean, with Tatis's injury, it was noticeable. But I mean, when Bryce Harper's not hitting, the Phillies aren't hitting, and that division isn't very good. But they they are a game and a uh, game and a half behind first so i think if they can get some sort of charge going and it comes down to bryce harper being clutch and maybe not striking out but being clutch and you're right no i i I think the nl mvp probably should be bryce harper um and that's that's taken away from the fact that the giants and dodgers are excellent teams um but they have all stars all around anyways for sure yeah i I agree with you there uh kyle who's who's your who's your favorite I mean, you're right with Tatis, and it's. I I honestly think the NL is just like the NL MVP race is just terrible comparatively, and that's oh, no yes. knock. On them. That's, that's that's no knock on them, but it's. I really don't care who wins. Um, I don't think I don't think either one, whether it be Harper or Tatis, is going to carry their team in the playoffs, which I think is a big knock on that. Um, right? It's and it's it's one of those. You know, compared to the AL side, which we'll get to, it's it's a little more interesting. And there's like, you know, all time records and stats going on on the other side. And then in the NL, it's like, yeah, you hit 40 bombs with 100 RBIs. Congrats, you got the M- uh, you got the M- uh, MVP. So it's like, it's all right, cool. <laughs> That's accurate. I mean, I I, w- I I personally was hoping that um, Degrom stayed healthy and we could see a potential Cy Young MVP. Um, yeah for the DeGrom side of it. Obviously that didn't really work out with the forearm injuries and all kind of stuff. So it's unfortunate in that aspect, but I, I don't know. Yeah. To tease. What about Scherzer? Mm. No. Okay. Well, I'm just asking you like 228 ERA with a 0.83 whip, won 15 games, 232 strikeouts and 174 innings pitch is not bad, but yeah, you're. I think you're right. Like he's not. He's not in the conversation. To to win the MVP, you have to be sub two ERA. Yeah, fair Sorry. enough. No, that's fair. I just I figured I would ask the question. Um, hey, who was it? Was was it Irfan or Kyle? Who said that the NL should have given IOU to the uh, or the AL should give an IOU and just take the second MVP award? No, it wasn't me. It was probably Irfan. Who was it? Who was I talking to then? I can't remember who I was talking to, but they were saying like the, the NL should just forego their MVP award and give one of them to whoever doesn't win the AL MVP award. You know, some, side, some side chick you had on the show when we were here or something. I don't know. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. You're cheating on us. I haven't done a show without at least one of you here. So. Exposed. Exposed. Um, hey, I, I think that was hilarious. I'm like, that is a great idea because no one in the NL deserves an MVP award more than the, the front runners in the AL. And yeah. let's let's get right into that. Like, this is a two horse race, but holy crap, is this a fun two horse race to watch for the MVP? Vlad 
Otani. I I actually don't know who the favorite is right now. Like when we were talking about this a month ago, yeah. I think it was Otani. That that conversation sort of cooled off though, right? Like, don't get me wrong, he still has forty five home runs and what is it, ninety five RBI. So yeah. hitting wise, he's lights out. He has a three twenty eight ERA with one hundred forty six strikeouts and one hundred twenty three innings. But I think that's what killed him. He's, he got hurt and he can't pitch. And that's kind of what hurt him the last four weeks because now you're hearing a lot of players, even a lot of analysts and writers coming out and saying that Vlad is their guy because of what he's done. So, Kyle, what is your opinion right now? If you had to pick this very moment, who's winning the AL MVP? Vlad. Is it close? I would have said it's close, but Otani has fallen off as a hitter right now, and that's the issue. You know, he, he was up there before. He was leading the league in home runs. You know, he had he had he was up there for sure. And all of a sudden now, yes, he's still only one back, but he was up by three or four. You know, to be honest, I honestly think Salvador Perez might get a couple of votes just because of what he's doing. He's, he will. Right? You know, I it is a two horse race, don't get me wrong, but he might get a few votes just because of what he's doing. Yeah. And, and it's one of those, you know. Salvi is the problem against Vlad is that he's not top five in RBIs right now. That's the problem. You know, his teammate is stealing the RBIs away from him, realistically. So, um, he asked for it more. <laughs> he's seventh. <though. laughs> yeah. oh, I understand that. But, but the, the whole thing behind, you know, Vlad for MVP was he has to win the triple crown in order to get the MVP away from Otani. And I think that's less of a conversation now because Otani one is only hitting like 255, I think. Correct. So I think if Otani's average was more 270 or, or, or 275, and we're talking about him being like elite, elite hitter, um, which it than, was for the mo- for like two thirds of the year, hundred percent. And then you combine that with a, a three ERA or whatever, like you know, three twenty, whatever he has, right? Like. I think then it's a more of a conversation. Now that he's at 255, he's not leading in home runs, and he has a three, some whatever you said, ERA. 328. 328. So if he if he has a 328 ERA, I think now it's more of it's had a great season, and it's one that we probably won't see again for a while until he does it. Um, but I don't know if it's MVP season. I don't think you can truly give the MVP if he doesn't lead the league in home runs doesn't have like like you're looking at like the average right now of top players and and Vlad's at 319 and he has more home runs and more RBIs yes Otani pitches as well but how could you not give that guy the MVP yeah I think is my biggest thing when he's hitting literally almost 70 points higher than the next guy so it's one of, like to me I think it's less of a conversation than it was before right but I think it's still going to be a conversation at the end of the day fair enough uh, Irfan, who who do you got? I'm going to go Shohei Otani. I mean, it's just because we haven't seen a pitcher-batter combo in a really long time. Like, this is like early 1900s. Hold on, hold on. About. Anthony Ghost, pitcher-batter oh, cool. combo. Yeah, but like... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to make a joke for all our Jays um, fans here, boys. He is back in the league, all right? Good for him. Uh, I will give him credit. That is very hard to do to transition to become a pitcher and throw a hundred. That's ridiculous. Anyways, continue. We're fine. 
Um, I mean, we haven't seen it and we probably won't see it for a really long time unless Shohei shows up next year and does the exact same thing. But, um, and that's probably why I'm giving the edge to Otani is because he's been a, a two spear sort of player this year. You can get him on the mound. You can get him to bat. He has, you know, 88 base on balls. People are walking him. He's patient at the plate. He just looks like a good hitter. And yes, you know, that 255 average probably doesn't yell at you the way the 319 does, but I mean, we're probably not going to see that from Shohei next year where he might struggle in his in a second full season where I, I think Vladi might be one of the most consistent players in baseball from now on. Um, so I hate to do this as a Jays fan and give it away to a different player, but I think Shohei to me has probably been the most valuable player for that Angels team. And you take him away and the Angels are even worse than they are and they're not very good this year. So, so uh, whereas I guess – my only thought on that one, yes, 100%, you take him away, it's a different story. But how big does a 73-81 and 81 record play a factor into those decisions? Not much. And I, and, I, and I understand where you're coming from. But I think if if the Jays squeak in into the wild card, I think Flatty takes it. And then that's, that's because we're going we're gonna to see him in a playoff role. We're going to see him, uh, you know, being that that leader, that hitting leader, that that everyone looks over and goes, you know, we're, we're going to get a big hit from them. Like they were down seven, nothing against the Rays the other night and, and nothing going. And Flatty starts the, the inning off and yeah. Okay. They got one run by the end of it, but Flatty started that inning and was just a good presence at the, at the play. And I, I'm sounding like I'm defending him to be the MVP here, but <laughs> let's say you, um, you've defended both of them. It's very impressive. <laughs> yeah. But um, like, so if he's, if they're there to the end of the day, I think Flatty could, win it but um i'm gonna go show here for now so my my, my, question, my question before you start nick yes sir is there a wrong choice no no and that's that's the fun can we can there be a tie like has that ever happened As where I said, it's just the like... nl mvp should be given to whoever <laughs> finishes second because <laughs> i think i would take either of these two guys over anyone in the nl this season who's at the top right I would take him right. over Harper. I would take them over Soto. I would take them over Tatis. I would take them over Winker. Agreed. But has there ever been a tie in terms of uh, MVP? I don't think so. Like, could we have about watch like Salvador Perez win this whole thing because they're trying to split the votes between Vladdy and Shohei, and you're like, sorry. Yeah, I know. Go go ahead, Nick. But yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be there was a tie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, 19, 1979, Keith Hernandez and Willie Stargell received an equal number of points. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the only thing I could think of that would screw one or the other is if, you know, say people vote for Vlad but have Salvador Perez second and Otani third, that could screw Otani in the overall points. Right. That, that's the only – because, like, to me, if – if Otani's number one, I think you have to put Vlad second, no matter what. Yeah. But I think if Vlad is first, you don't necessarily have to put Otani second. I think you could definitely give some votes to Salvi as number two. Yeah. Right. But I don't think it works the opposite way. That's fair. Um, my my vote is for Vlad right now, and it comes down to this: he's played in every game but one. He has less strikeouts than Shohei. He has uh, five less walks, so that that's comparable. When I say less strikeouts. Vlad has 106 strikeouts. Otani has 182. Right? Like, it's not really close. Vlad has more home runs right now. He has more RBIs. 
He has, as Kyle said, almost a 70-point batting average higher. His OPS is over one, which only three players in the league right now have. I know Otani also pitches, and he's incredible. Don't get me wrong. But the impact Vlad has on the Jays, I think, is actually a greater impact than Otani has on the Angels because not just of what is on the field, all his like stats and stuff, but his presence in that locker room, in that dugout, so far, Vlad looks to be that energy guy. Yep. Have you ever seen Vlad like upset in the dugout? That guy is always going around picking his teammates up, making sure everyone's ready to go for the next inning, no matter what happens. Even if a guy has an awful strikeout, he's the first guy there making sure that that guy's ready to go for the next inning. Right? Yep. That is most valuable to me. And that's why I have Vlad over Otani, but it's going to be close in my opinion. Yep. Uh, Cy Young. Do we even need to talk about the NL? There's one name, right? It's Scherzer. Yeah, Scherzer. <laughs> or if I mean, you agree. <laughs> there's no doubt about it. He's been lights out. The only other person you could talk about is Corbin Burns. Yeah. He's the second. He's, he's the closest second. And then Walker Bueller's third. Walker Bueller. I, I would almost put Zach Wheeler up there too, to be honest. You know, Zach Wheeler is 240 strikeouts. It's Kind of up there as well, so That's I think fair. that plays back there. Um, I think the only thing that knocks Bueller down is because the other person is Scherzer. <laughs> it's Scherzer, and he's on the same team. That's fair. so. Um, I think that's what not to me. I think Bueller ends up finishing fourth. Is what okay, I personally fair think. enough. Mm. Fair enough. Um, but well, we can all agree I, that it's Scherzer's, right? Scherzer, but if Scherzer has a couple so bad outings to end the year, I think Burns very well could catch him and, and go ahead of him. Okay, fair enough. I think mean, he might only have one more game left. Uh, unless he's pitching now and then maybe like one of the last two games, but then they, they might switch the rotation depending on. They, I think they already did. I think they already lined up the rotation so that he's pitching the wild card game. Okay. So I think he has one game left. Well, the Dodgers wouldn't play the wild card game. Oh, yeah. I guess the Giants, right? Right, right. I guess they would. <laughs> all right. So since we're all in agreement on Scherzer with Burns and Bueller and Wheeler as the next three in some sort of combination. Let's flip right to the AL, and this is going to be a lot more fun. The AL races are going to be a lot more fun this year. I don't know if you <laughs> if you guys want to argue that or not, but they are going to be way more fun. Robbie Ray, Garrett Cole, one, it's, two. It's a, it's a two-horse race. It's another two-horse race. And I'm leaning towards the J again right now just because of what he's been able to do, not to mention he also has – a 272 ERA, whereas Cole is at 308. So that's almost a 30 point, or that's more than a 30 point swing. He has the most strikeouts in the American League. I'm just going to narrow my search here. He has the most strikeouts in the American League. I mean, he's leading Cole by one. Yeah. He has the best whip. He has the best batting average between the two of them. Mm-hmm. He's given up less earned runs. He's given up less runs, period. Like, I don't know how he's, I don't know how you can give Cole, especially if the Jays make the playoffs and Robbie Ray is the number one starter on a team that makes the playoffs because the Yankees would most likely be the team that falls out if the Jays make the playoffs. Well, I mean, unless the Yankees somehow sweep the Red Sox and then the That's Jays true, win. yeah. There is a chance that they could both make the playoffs and face, these two literally could be facing each other in the wild card game. And to me, that would be 
an outstanding game to watch. Absolutely. <laughs> I would be boring as hell because that'd be great pitching. But <laughs> see, see, that's, that's where I don't think it would be. I think I think it would be a great game to watch because I think both pitchers would get lit up. And that's not denying what their teams or what they are doing during the regular season. Mm-hmm. But I think playoffs are a different beast. And I think both of these teams will show up with hitting in those first in the first couple of games of the playoffs. Yes, because that's so what I, happens I think when they, the Yankees make the playoffs. They hit. Oh wait, no, they yeah. don't. <laughs> yeah, because the Jays hit when they make the playoffs. No, they don't. They strike out against ninety nine above this belt. Like, yes, but sorry. here's here's the difference. That was the first time that most of these Jays players had made the playoffs. The Yankees do that oh. every year. <laughs> yeah. So so to me. And I agree with you. I think it's race to lose. I think it's really what it comes down to. Okay. I think I think Cole, it was Cole's. Don't it was wrong. Cole's to lose. But then he's had three or four bad outings in the last month that have shot his ERA up above three. And if you have an ERA above three, you're not winning the Cy Young. It's, it's Sorry, it's just the reality of today's game. It's also it's sad that there's bad. only one pitcher in the entire American League that has a sub three ERA, though. Oh, 100%. I mean, Lance Lynn was there, and then all of a sudden he's like, all right, well, no, Lance Lynn's not there anymore. When we were talking about this halfway through the season, yeah. it was Lance Lynn's to lose because he was just a better pitcher than everybody else right then. And all of a sudden, Lance Lynn kind of fell off. I mean, Chicago's still up there, don't get me wrong. So I think that will you know, play Didn't a factor he in him. Hurt? He, he got hurt, but then he also had some bad outings. Um combined with that so right. i don't think he i don't think he meets the requirements of he doesn't he does not a qualified player yeah so um i i think it's i think it's raised to lose as you said i think the era the strikeouts the strikeouts are gonna be close it's not gonna be a matter of that it's gonna be a matter of can ray pick up another win because he's down by four wins against cole that's the only thing um and where does each one finish the season at if if Ray finishes the season with a fantastic outing. It's his. If he has an iffy outing and Cole has a great outing, then it's a whole different conversation. Can we also take in though? So, Irfan, I'm, I'm going to let you talk after this. I just want to jump this in before we go. They've each, so Ray's had 30 starts this year. Cole has had 29. But when you look at quality starts, which is a huge factor, because let's be honest, Ray's not going to go a complete game because Charlie Montoyo is the is the manager of the Blue Jays. So there's no complete games in, in Robbie Ray's thing, and Cole has two. But if we're looking quality starts, Ray has 22 quality starts out of 30. Cole only has 18 out of 29. That has to factor in, right, Irfan? Probably. But I think, probably, but there's so many different factors. You're going to look at ERA, you're going to look at wins, you're going to look at the the batting average against, you're going to look at so many different things. And I mean, down the stretch, I think the last two to three months, maybe after the All-Star break, Robbie Ray has been the better pitcher. He comes on the mound, he commands the mound, and he looks good doing it. Like when Garrett Cole gets to the mound, I'm like, hmm. What substance is this guy used? No, I'm kidding. I don't think that. But, um, <laughs> but no, no. But, but you know what though? Like Jared Cole in his career, he is lights out. But he also has a game or two every few weeks where he just gets lit up. Mm-hmm. And Robbie Ray maybe has had one or two games like that this entire season where he's looked shaky. So, I agree that I think you know I didn't give it to Vladdy before for the 
uh, MVP, I'm going to give it to Ray for the Cy Young. I, I've just been so impressed with him. Like he, he's on that mountain. I'm like, man, we got an ace. And, you know, Injun Ryu was supposed to be the Blue Jays ace and he's looked a little shaky, but yeah. Shaky's a very, very, I'm being nice <laughs> because last year he was probably our best pitcher. Um, That's true. He was. Um, but this year, you know, Robbie Ray, man, like this is a guy who was very good in Arizona got traded, didn't do so hot, and just come back onto this 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 track of, you know, just looking good. And and I think I'd give it to him. And Garrett Cole's going to be a perennial Cy Young winner or a candidate for the next five, six, seven years of his career anyway. So eh, he'll win it next year, if anything. Robbie Ray's can also only say- 29, eh? Like, this guy still yeah. has a few more years to go. Can we just say how impressive Robbie Ray also is with having two pitches? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> fastball slider that's all he has that's it he throws them really Cole, really Cole, well though Paul has five pitches <laughs> Robbie Ray sir you literally have a 50-50 chance on guessing what pitch is coming and they're still not hitting it because yeah. he's still striking 90, out more than anybody else in the American League either 95 or 80 at your feet <laughs> Yeah, and you look at the other crazy thing is like if you look post All Star break, Robbie Ray has a two point two one ERA. Cole has a three eighty two. That's, I think it's just clearly Robbie Ray's. Um, since we're talking Jays, all of a sudden we're I mean, we're not going to go Rookie of the Year. Um, although Alec Manoa should get a vote or two for Rookie of the Year, in my opinion, not win it, not win it. But should get a vote or two for Rookie of the Year. Anyways, well, while we're talking Jays, if the Jays make the playoffs, boys, this is the question we're ending on here. If the Jays make the playoffs, how far can they go Irfan? Oy, um, they win the If they win the wild card, I think that's the biggest they'll go. I think the Rays will beat them, unfortunately. Um because that's the that would be the next matchup, right? It's the winner yep. of the wild yep. card, yeah. So I think I think they'll struggle against the Rays, um, unfortunately. Uh, but they have every right to beat the Red Sox or the Yankees, whoever they come up against, because they're they're better than them. I'd have to say they're better than them. They're more consistent. They've been more consistent minus the last two games, but they've been more consistent. So um, I say they go to the. The division series, and then that's where they'll lose. Okay. Kyle? I guess the real question is how do you want me to interpret this question? How far can they go, or how far will they go? Both. Give me how far both can they go? How far can they go? World Series. Not even a question. They have the offense. They have the pitching to do it. How far will they go, knowing track record and how things are? I think divisional series is probably where they're going to go. I, I think. I think. Can they beat Tampa? Yes, but going down to Tampa and playing in Tampa is a very interesting situation. Of course, you don't have to worry about fans because they have ten of them. Um, <laughs> but it's. But it's actually playing. hold on. I think there's more Jays fans in Tampa than there is Tampa fans. That's why I said Rays fans. There's ten. I know that's what I'm saying. I'm just I'm adding on to your point. I think there's more Jays fans in the Tampa Dome than there are Rays fans. 100. So uh, I mean, I, 
to me, but they, they they always seem to be struggling when it comes to playing Tampa in Tampa. So, right. I mean, when you have three out of five in Tampa, it, it, it doesn't really add up well. Like, they have to steal a game, and they have to kind of – I'd be interested to see what their rotation is going to be because I don't think Ryu is going to be in there. No, I, mean, I don't. I agree with you. I don't think he is. Um, so, first off, they have to win. They have to make the playoffs first. They have to Let's bounce back. The playoffs, heavy, obviously. They have to bounce back heavy against Minnesota – this weekend they have yes. to win they have to split the series they no matter what and then realistically they have to win at least two against the yankees yeah. so um that's the, that's the biggest key so i think i think divisional series is probably their floor i would say their ceiling is world series yeah okay i think they i think they could go to the world series and the reason is um ray barrios manoa mm-hmm. Tell me which team in the American League has a top three pitching rotation as good as Ray, Barrios, and Manoa right now that are that are going to be in the playoffs. I would take them over any of the Red say, Sox pitchers. I would say Chicago White Sox. Right, okay. I'm taking them, but I'm saying, I'm taking them over any of the Red Sox pitchers if we play the Red Sox. I'm taking them over any of the Yankees pitchers if we play the Yankees. Even mm-hmm. Cole. Like, I would take Ray over Cole and then... <laughs> I don't even know who starts starting to say who would be starting a two uh, two game series for the Yankees, but whatever. We wouldn't we wouldn't have to deal with that. I would take those three over any of the three pitchers on the Rays. Who are the pitchers on the Rays? That's the real question. McClanahan would be one. They, like they have they have seventeen openers every every game. <laughs> I have no idea who's actually like. They'll, they'll bring in McHugh to start for a, an inning or two, and then all of a sudden Yarbrough will come out of the pen and pitch six innings. It's like, why don't you just start with Yarbrough and then bring in McHugh? I don't yeah. get it. Um, their starters are McClanahan, Michael Waka, 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 and uh, Ryan Yarbrough are probably their uh, – Rich Hill also, I guess. I would I would take our, I would take our guys over them. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, only one, the only one in the AL would, would be the White Sox, and that's Lynn, Giolito, and... Uh, Rodon. Is it Rodon? Rodon. Yeah. Keichel. Keichel's their four. So. Yeah, Keichel's their four. So that, that would be a super fun matchup between Ryu and Keichel. <laughs> I mean, the average pitch would be 83 miles an hour. <laughs> Holy crap, would that be an awful... We can't forget Dylan Cease, though, too. Keichel might not yeah. even be in their rotation. I mean, no. Well, most most teams in the playoffs have a three man rotation. Sometimes four. Yeah. Um, so I think Cease would probably be there. Uh, to be honest, I think Cease would probably play better out of the bullpen. I don't think Keiko stuff plays well out of the bullpen. That's the only thing. Um, I think Cease and his firepower will play a lot better in an inning or two Fair. and hitting ninety seven compared to Keiko, who even out of the bullpen is probably hitting ninety one. If that. Fair enough. Um, yeah, but like I just I think the pitching is good enough, and this has been the best hitting lineup in the entire league all year. Like yep. average wise, pretty much everything they've been the most consistent hitting team in the league, which is kind of scary to say because it's the Blue Jays. Yep. Right, like it, it just sounds funny, but they're second in the American League in batting average, they're first in OPS, they're first in slugging percentage. And they have the most home runs. Like that's that should play well in the playoffs. 
And this isn't like the former Jays teams when they made the playoffs, they refused to kind of play small ball. This team is willing to play small ball. They're willing to play base to base if they need to. Right? Yeah. Whereas when Donaldson and Bautista and Edwin were here, they refused. They based, they fully came out and said, that's not how we play. We're not going to change for the playoffs. Well, the playoffs are a different beast. Sometimes you have to. I, th- I think the biggest thing is they actually have the players to do that now. I, I don't think even if even if they even if they wanted to play small ball, that 2015-2016 team couldn't do it. They didn't have the players to do it. Fair enough, but right? like these Jays have, you know, you have Espinal who can do it. You have Simeon who can lay down a bunt if you want to, but you don't really need him to do that. You could with Bichette too. Bichette's quick enough to do that. Like if they need 100%. him, hundred percent. There's guys that can do it. Do you want them to do it? That's a whole different story. No, but that's because they have enough power to not need to do it, but you can if you need to. But it's the ability to do it. And I mean, they got to make playoffs. This is why I think Charlie Montoya is the manager of the Jays, is because he brings that small ball mentality that was at Tampa. And I think that's the only reason why the guy's there is just to try and get into the playoffs and see if they can play small ball, to be honest. No, and then if they Fair. don't, and they don't, they struggle, and I think maybe that's the guy that you have to move next season, maybe potentially. Give, give me Pete Walker as my manager, and I'd be happy. He, he fights Pete Walker. <laughs> I mean, he, he seems to be a wizard when it comes to pitchers, and the fact that he went off at Joe West the other day just made my day, and I just absolutely can love we have it. A, can we have a manager by committee with Pete Walker and Dante Bichette as our two guys? <laughs> just call it a day. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Joe West needs to be taken out to the pasture, and, and you know, oh, you hey know what? Now. Hey now, oh come hey, on! Hey, you're wrong. He he was a great umpire, not anymore. Yeah, he's he's getting things he, wrong. I he's becoming he's got... on he's becoming on par with Angel Hernandez. Oh, okay, oh, that's not a good comparison. No, that is an awful comparison. That's um, all right, well, boys, that'll do it. Let's uh, let's get final thoughts, and Kyle, we'll start with you. Other than the Joe West, thing. <laughs> Joe, Joe West needs to retire, forcibly retire. Um, no, it, it's one of those. It's going to be a very interesting week and a bit coming up with the uh, final games wrapping up in the MLB. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of interested to see how this whole playoff race uh, plays out. The Jays need to bounce back very quickly in order to make it. I mean, two games back uh, with. What seven, eight games to play? Something like that. It's tough. It's tough. So, uh, luckily, they do play the team ahead of them, which kind of helps in a way. But they have to win three games, games there, you're in good shape. So, I mean, beating the Yankees is the key because I don't really want the Yankees to make the playoffs, and I don't. I honestly don't think the Red Sox are as big of a threat as the Yankees could be in the playoffs. So, yeah, well, especially in a one game series yep. like it's not if, if it was a series the yankees don't really scare me over seven games but single game whew, that lineup can go off for a game mm-hmm. uh Irfan. uh i'll do a quick shout out to julio urias of the la dodgers i've been a huge fan of him since last year when he came out of the bullpen the guys 18 and 3 this year uh, probably will keep the same role as he did last year he's just that that guy that um you know if Kershaw's struggling, Bueller's struggling, or Scherzer has a rough night. You're going to see this guy come in and eat up innings for you. He's a good young player. He's also 25, and he can he can pitch really well. Um, the question I actually had for you guys, I was looking at this throughout the week, is what do you guys make of the taunting rule? 
there's some that you know i've seen i've seen some get flagged for like the dumbest shit ever and then one i'm like okay i get why that's a flag because you're getting in the guy's face and you're making it an issue but then you know we we said earlier in the show that the the seahawks lost over uh, a really dumb call and that was a read call which to me you know i'm looking at the the repeat here and i'm like that just seems soft but then you know, the one after that, there was another game and the guy was like up in his grill and like touching them. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's a flag. So what do you guys make of that? Hold on. Before you say anything, Kyle, I was watching Kyle's reaction to while you were giving this question, Irfan, and I could see steam coming out of his ears. This is fantastic. Go ahead. Go off, bro. And I felt a joke. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, it's just, I get it. If you're standing over the guy and you're like like this, oh yeah, yeah, it's like hundred percent. Yeah, it's taunting. It's taunting. That's if, literally taunting. That's but if you're like if you're standing over a guy and you're walking over him, that's not a taunting call. You're trying to get off of the guy. Like half yeah. these taunting calls that they're making are like like the guy like stares at him for a second and then walks away. It's like that's not taunting. That mm-hmm. you made a big hit or you made a good play. Like if unless you're, you're like, unless the guy is saying something right. and the ref hears it, but that's like 100%. That's not like the, the, the taunting was um, last year in the Super Bowl with the Bucks, uh, Kansas City. When uh, when he goes like this and goes back to him, it's like, yeah, that's his thing. Hundred percent, that's taunting. No problem. Flag done. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, like that's the recall weird. to me was like he just looked at him and walked away, and he got a yeah. he got a fifteen yard yeah. penalty, and that like screwed them over. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's just one of it's like to me. Some, how do I put this without sounding too bad? There are some, I'll, I'll, I'll say it nicely. There are some very, very weak calls. Um, I could have said some other words that may not have been appropriate. But, um, <laughs> I know exactly what he could have said. There are some very weak calls that are being called in the NFL. And like that game on Thursday was probably one of the worst officiated games ever just because they literally just, yep. Yeah, is he offside? Yep. It's like, at least he, here's, here's the like, one solace is that it was bad for both teams. hundred <laughs> percent, but it's not bad, good, for both but it was teams. bad for both teams. Bad for both teams is bad for fans in general. Absolutely. So, I mean, um, it's, it's a struggle watching some of these games when you're like, that's not the football I grew up playing or that's not the football I grew up watching. Right. It's, it's a very different game. And and honestly, I think it's very controversial, but I think you should be able to challenge a call. And if you get it right, you get to keep challenging it. Mm. If you get it wrong, you don't get any more challenges. Because there are some very questionable flags. Isn't that like what the MLB does? You have one challenge, and then you can keep challenging if you get it right? Correct. Right? Yeah. And then, yeah, and then after, the after, has... the seventh, after the seventh inning, you can challenge as many times as you want. Yeah. Right. Um, Unless you get one wrong. Even then, I'm pretty sure you can still challenge. I think after I think after the seventh, if you get one wrong, you can't challenge anymore. But regardless, but, not the point. But you can multiple right. challenges in MLB. It's one of those. I think you should be able to challenge a flag, personally. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I know they have the like the review and stuff like that now, but they're not using it correctly. Like half the half of these refs are 75 years old, can't run worth a damn, and, and probably have never played football in their life. Sorry, played high school ball. Yeah, played high school ball. Oh yeah, yeah. Division one recruit didn't play anything after high school, um, but is somehow an NFL referee that chucks on the field. I got this. Come on, Ed Hockley could have played. 
he would he would have done some damage in the league if he played. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, he, he could kick, maybe a long snapper. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it, and I, I'm with her fun on this. It's just, it's embarrassing. They have to figure it out. They really do. So. Well, they also uh, clearly do not understand the rule because I saw one game where. A guy was like flexing to the crowd, right after a big play. Yep. Not even yep. facing the opponent, he was f- yeah. flexing to his own team sideline, and they flagged him for taunting. Yeah. He was not even like within. I don't think he was within ten yards of an opponent, and he got yeah. called for taunting. And I'm just like, Are yeah, you this, serious? These are the exact same refs that blew the calls for the New Orleans Saints a couple years back. Like this is the same sort of like I mean I'm not Seattle no catch too. See like is that the replacement referees? Hold on. Um might have I don't even they even had replacement referees because like that's how whatever was going on with the NFL. I I don't like <laughs> Kyle's just like, yep, I am. Uh, okay. Anyway, I thought I'd well, even then I would take the replacement referees over half the reps are in the league right now. I didn't think the replacement referees did that bad. They missed a couple calls, I, but it was like they were thrown in the week before. Like, good luck. I, I honestly think and this is something that I, I will I will I'll write a strongly worded letter to the NFL. Um, <laughs> you write a strongly worded letter. <laughs> I, I I think there should be review periods after every year to go over how that referee did previously in that season and you should be fired or kept on accordingly and or i don't have I, to go if, if it's the first time that they're having a problem they should have to go have through to go some back. sort of training course or something yeah. to make sure that they like i agree with that because I, I i don't think and you know they they say oh yeah we review all of our referees not a chance there's zero chance they review all the referees because there are some referees that have been there for 30 years that should not have been there more than five yeah. like it's it's one of those that I think something like that would hold them more accountable. Very similar to the actual players themselves, yeah. right? If some of the players have a bad season, they get cut the next year. Yeah, the refs don't get cut. It's true. So because they they have a shortage of referees, it's what. But I highly doubt they do. You know how many referees are in college football? Yeah. I'm sure a couple of them can be good. No, no, I'm, I, I agree with you. I'm just saying that they're just going to say we don't have enough referees. Oh, of course. An excuse, that's what it is. Yep, all right. I'm gonna get to my final thought now and let's get out of here because it's been a long show. Um, my final thought this year in the EPL and all the top leagues is going to be chaos. There's going to be chaos in soccer, Irfan, and I know you're loving it because you and Paige keep talking about it, but it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch because I don't see a clear winner in any of the leagues right now maybe maybe Bayern would be the clear winner the only one. yeah and you could maybe put PSG but they haven't really gelled yet and Lille's looked eh and Lyon's looked eh like like no one is stepping up in most of these leagues it's just a lot of teams tripping over each other <laughs> it's kind of going to be fun by the end of it if it stays like this like i don't know who's going to win <laughs> And that's the whole point of these chaos leagues is that you just want chaos. Kyle's the king of chaos lately, so I know he agrees with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, it's 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 been fun to watch and also like hectic to watch because like mm-hmm. United losing this morning, I wouldn't have guessed that one. Losing at home to Austin Villa is not how I thought that today was going to go. It's Why didn't Ronaldo take the penalty? 
Mendez. Listen, I'm not in charge of choosing who takes the penalties, Kyle, okay? I just watch the games. Why didn't your best penalty kicker take it? He what? Fernandez technically is the best penalty kick taker if oh, you go by Aaron percentage, Maguire. which is a joke. Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire! <laughs> Who got subbed off. <laughs> so he was not even on the field. The best the best penalty kick taker by percentage was Bruno Fernandez on the field. But that means nothing to me. No. It also really means nothing. So, but I just love that there's chaos. Like chaos is fun in soccer because usually it's the same three or four teams every year at the top and they just battle it out amongst each other. There are so many teams that could win these leagues this year. Like, I don't know. I really don't know who's going to win the Spanish league. Real looks okay. They're they're doing okay, but like, I have no clue if they're going to be able to yeah. maintain it. So Atleti just lost to one of the bottom feeders. In yeah. Alaves. So, I mean, there's that. And then Coleman, probably not the right guy at Barcelona. So I'm sorry. Did you say probably not the right guy or definitely oh, not I, the right guy? I've been saying it since last year. He's not the right guy, but I'm just trying to be nice to him. Did you, so. did you guys read the score when Bruno missed his penalty? No. On the score? So they're just ripping Bruno a new one. Of course. Like in, in their in their minute by minute penalty missed bad penalty by Bruno Fernandez right footed shot is too high Bruno Fernandez should be disappointed that's in their minute by minute no way actually yeah <laughs> oh I gotta that's confirm wrong. this this is awesome if that's true I, whoever did that deserves a raise <laughs> I was like I was looking I'm like oh my god that they're just is ripping this on the feed one. what's this yeah so like go into the game and go minute by minute <laughs> it's all the way to the end minute. It's hilarious. It's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know who did that at the score. You deserve a raise. (laughs) So I I will, um, I think we'll put that up on our our touchline thoughts page or something. That is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Quickly take a screenshot of that Irfan in case they change it. Already did it. I'm putting it up now. (laughs) That is awesome. Oh, Kyle, you just made my day, and it's only like 11.45. <laughs> oh, man. Well, with that, I think that's a good place to end the day and <laughs> the show. It's nice to be back with the boys. Irfan, we are very happy to have you back, man. Me and Kyle were it's running out of things back. to talk about. <laughs> so it's good to have you back. If you want to check out any of our past episodes, make sure you check out garagedoorsports.com. You can see all of the shows on there, but if you're looking for us specifically, go under the shows tab, Garage Door Sports. We got all your information there. If you are looking for us individually, it's at Nick McVicker for myself, at Kyle Vardy for Kyle, and at Irfan Manji for Irfan on Twitter and Instagram, which is kind of nice. You can find we're very, very simple people. Just look up our names. Um, if you're looking for the show, it's at Garage Door Sport on Twitter, at Garage Door Sports on Instagram, because Twitter has a character cap. Stupid Twitter. Um, cap. But we got a lot more to bring you next week. Uh, who will be here? We're not sure yet, but someone will be doing a show next week, and we'll have a lot of fun with it. Thank you for listening, as always, and we will see you next time.